0: Most of my friends who've been able to take time to pursue a venture without financial support from a family member or spouse had a high paying job, so they built up enough savings or they were able to move in with their parents. Most entrepreneurs don't pay themselves for a while. They are investing money back into the business. And even if you have some additional financial support from an outside source, you still have to fund the business. That's why grant programs and funding opportunities for communities without capital, especially communities of color, to start their own businesses are so important. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies-Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you lead the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. All right, friends, we are back this week with a solo episode. And if you've been tuning in for a while, then you know that I often interview entrepreneurs. Their non-traditional path is a great way to explore some of the themes that I like to explore on the show. Overcoming setbacks, navigating pivots, and finding purpose. So today, I thought I'd share some of the lessons learned from my accidental entrepreneurial journey. If you're unfamiliar with my story, then feel free to check out the pivot episode or the lessons learned from podcasting episode, which I'll link in the show notes. But the most important part of the story for this episode is that I had no intention of becoming an entrepreneur. And even calling myself an entrepreneur felt a bit odd. It took me a while to embrace it. I just wanted to tell stories to help people feel seen and heard. And this desire led me down an entrepreneurial journey. So here we are. And I'm excited to share some of the lessons I've learned along the way. So I'm going to walk you through six lessons learned from my accidental entrepreneurial journey. So number one entrepreneurship can help you step into a better version of yourself. You are giving yourself the opportunity to do work that you want to do and solve a problem you aim to solve. It's a way of loving yourself and allowing yourself to step into your gifts. For my entire life, I occupied various systems and institutions with rules and norms that informed my experiences and how I achieved success. While I successfully navigated these institutions and carved out a space for myself to do meaningful work, After some time, of course, there is just nothing like creating the space. There's nothing like creating the meaning. There's nothing like being the boss and working towards your own version of success. And depending on your work environment and where you fall in the hierarchy, I think a lot of us feel limited. We aren't able to hone certain gifts and talents as much as we would like. For me, it's public speaking and advising two things I just loved doing, but it was limited in my corporate role. I did a lot of public speaking in law school. In fact, I enjoyed doing those mock pitches for my law school entrepreneurial course, and there goes the entrepreneurial seed. And I loved holding talks for students as a legal writing advisor and doing individual advising sessions where I could tap into my value of human connection. As a 3L, I was really operating in my purpose and tapping into my gifts, and then I started working at a firm as a junior associate, and I just had to start all over, learn the ropes. There wasn't much time for public speaking and advising. I was honestly just trying to survive. It was all about learning and seeking advisors. But once I became a fifth year associate, I had more opportunities to advise and take on public speaking roles, and that felt really good. But the podcast gave me the opportunity to take the advising and the public speaking to another level, a level that I created and defined for myself. I'm choosing the content I want to share with the world, the narratives I want to explore, the things I think we really need to talk about to create a society that centers our humanity. I'm showing up as my authentic self, and that feels very empowering. It increases your confidence. It builds your resilience. It gives you the opportunity to see what you're truly capable of. So if you're not able to flex certain muscles and build different skills in your current role, then entrepreneurship could be a great way to do this. If this is resonating with you, then I encourage you to start something. It could be in the private sector or nonprofit sector. I didn't realize it at the time, but my mom and grandma took on their own entrepreneurial endeavors. Although it wasn't in the for profit space, they created something that didn't exist before. My grandmother, she co founded a nonprofit organization, Guyana Medical Relief. It's an organization that provides medical supplies and assistance to rural hospitals in Guyana. The mission has actually expanded. My grandmother's father, so my great-grandfather, was a doctor in Guyana, and she saw the need for adequate health care and supplies, especially in the rural areas outside of the main city of Georgetown. So she founded this organization while she was working as a secretary. It was her side hustle. And my mom co founded an organization called Time Out Women's Fellowship. And it's a Christian organization where Black women gather to take time out for themselves. You know, a lot of these women were working full time jobs, had families to take care of, and weren't really prioritizing themselves and their relationship with God. And so my mom co founded that organization and she was always counseling women. I remember she was always on the phone all day talking to someone, encouraging them, pouring into them. She was always praying, a woman of faith, and she did this work for over 30 years, just like my grandmother, and both of these organizations still exist today. I actually recently attended events honoring my mom and my grandma for the work they've done, and I just saw how running an organization changed my grandma and mom. It gave them purpose. It's now part of their legacy. I'm sharing these examples because I think we don't give community organizations enough credit. And we may not think of them as entrepreneurial. They're not the things we'll see on the cover of Forbes, but they're just as impactful. And I think it's also just helped me connect the dots in my own life when I was just thinking about my own entrepreneurial journey and where does that come from? Going back to my childhood, looking at the people that have inspired me. And then I recently realized both my mom and my grandmother were entrepreneurs in their own right. And it really allowed them to step into a better version of themselves. And if you want to start something in the for-profit sector, then I suggest starting a side hustle. Everyone has different financial circumstances, but most guests start their entrepreneurial endeavors as side hustles. And speaking of side hustles, that brings us to the next lesson learned. Number two, starting your entrepreneurial endeavor as a side hustle has a number of benefits. I think our former guest, Sterling Smith, entrepreneur and founder of Black Freelancer, said it best.
1: This is a biased perspective, but I believe that having a side hustle is a form of self-love. I believe that we as enterprising individuals who are building careers at various stages of our careers, we should look at how we at the time and energy we have and and ask ourselves, are we spending our time, the majority of our time at work working on things that we're passionate about? And if the answer is yes, then double down on that. And or Dedicate your time to mentorship and or monetizing that passion that you have outside of your nine-to-five. If the answer is no, no, I'm not passionate about what I'm working on nine-to-five, then you should continue and don't quit your job tomorrow, but you should supplement that nine-to-five tomorrow with the things that you find joy in, things that, that you find are passionate about. Because you might just find that in the not-too-distant future, you are living a more enriched life that allows for you to, of course, make money pursuing that passion on the side, and eventually that could be your full-time job, but you're also feeding your spirit. Because oftentimes, these things that we truly love, you do for free, and they don't feel like work. So when you compare them and the time that you spend on them alongside the things that you're not really passionate about, but you're doing for work, the ROI is so much greater because you would do it for free.
0: So I just love this. Now, Sterling admits that he is biased and I am too. We both have side hustles and there are other ways to do meaningful work outside of your day job or side hustle, like volunteering with a community organization, like I mentioned. But the main point is tapping into the work that you would do for free. And that is what I'm doing as an emerging creator with this podcast. Like Sterling said, he wouldn't advise quitting your job. He has a full-time job at a VC firm. You know, you get to retain financial security by building on the side. And when I decided to take an unpaid sabbatical to pursue the podcast full-time, I intended to return to work with a paycheck and for a 1k. A sabbatical means break from work, so that was the plan. Take a break. If I could monetize the podcast quickly enough to match my lawyer's salary, that would be amazing, (laughs) but also a miracle. Although I'm an optimist and a big dreamer, I knew it was gonna be a long shot. Now that I've been doing this work full time for nearly a year, that is still my intention. The podcast will be a side hustle for the foreseeable future and as i mentioned in the values alignment episode financial security is an important part of my value system and it's also just a necessity i think it's important to be transparent about money and i recently had a guest on the show who talked openly about this and i'm excited to share this episode but she's been a very successful creator and she still has a full-time job she said a lot of entrepreneurs that we see online have a day job and the ones that can take the leap often have financial support from a family member or a spouse. She said that she is supporting herself, and that is so real. She inspired me to be transparent about how I was able to take the temporary leap. I had the privilege of taking a year off to heal and pursue my dreams due to a number of factors. I had a high-paying job as an attorney at a big law firm, so I was able to build up savings. I worked long enough at my firm and established enough relationships to have the option to return to work after my sabbatical. My student debt was on pause. I received an initial investment from HubSpot. I could use my savings to build out the business, and when the funds for the podcast started to get tight, I launched. launched to Kickstarter to get additional financial support to keep the show going. And that support came from friends and family, my community. I also have a very supportive husband working full-time. I switched to his health insurance and his salary is covering all of our living expenses right now. I'll admit that I worried about funds for the business and changed my lifestyle by significantly cutting my spending. I have not bought any clothes. I didn't buy tickets to Beyonce. Yes. (laughs) Now, that was challenging. I can't believe I'm missing that amazing concert. But anyway, I also just learned to live a more minimalist life, which is probably a good skill to build before having kids. And thankfully, I never worried about my needs and comfort. My husband was able to handle this. So also need to say thank you to Shagun. If you listen to the Valentine's episode, then you were able to hear his story, but I am just really grateful for him and for his ability to really support my dreams. I think I've always thought of it from an emotional support perspective, but after thinking about full transparency and all the different privileges I have, he has been extremely helpful in helping me pursue this dream. So thank you. <laughs> And before I took my sabbatical, I talked to my husband about this. We had a plan, and the plan was to support me for a certain period, and the student loan payments are coming back, so I will have to go back to work, but I was fortunate to have this time to build the brand. And I'll admit that I felt a little discomfort when the creator guest, I'm not saying her name yet just because I haven't edited the episode yet and things take time, and I don't know, I just don't like to reveal it until it's out, but... You will hear her story very soon. But when she was talking about the transparency with money, and when she said that she didn't have a spouse to support her and that she was doing it on her own, it made me think that admitting my privilege might make others think I don't deserve the success. I know it sounds odd, but you know, it's hard to kind of sometimes admit your privilege. But the thing is, we're all moving through the world with some sort of privilege, and we should use it to create the change we want to see in this world. We shouldn't feel guilty. It means I have a responsibility to continue to work hard to realize my dreams and create a more human centered society. I'm sharing this because vulnerability and honesty about the journey, the setbacks, and the privileges and the advantages help others as they navigate their journey. You can get a more realistic representation. And these realistic representations are often reflected in the side hustle story. Jenna Kutcher's story is actually a great example of this. She's the host of the Gold Digger podcast. If you've been listening, you know she's on the HubSpot podcast network. I've worked with her before. She's wonderful and so inspirational. And she started her seven-figure business by side hustling. And when she made the entrepreneurial leap, her husband worked really long hours to support her dreams. Now he's a stay-at-home dad, which was his dream, but they both worked really hard to realize those dreams together. And most of my friends who've been able to take time to pursue a venture without financial support from a family member or spouse had a high-paying job, so they built up enough savings or they were able to move in with their parents. Most entrepreneurs don't pay themselves for a while. They are investing money back into the business. And even if you have some additional financial support from an outside source, you still have to fund the business. That's why grant programs and funding opportunities for communities without capital, especially communities of color, to start their own businesses are so important. It also just serves as a reminder that no one achieves success in business without help. No one does it alone. If you find yourself in a position where you don't have the financial support to take the business full-time, then build your business on the side. It will take some of the financial stress off of you. The other benefit of starting a side hustle is that it allows you to test and iterate on a business idea before relying on it as a source of income. I am still contemplating whether or not I ever want to be a full-time entrepreneur. This podcast could be a permanent side hustle could be one stream of income. There's a pressure to grow and build quickly to monetize the work you're doing. And I mentioned this in the episode covering the lessons learned from a year of podcasting, but that can be tough. It can take away some of the joy from doing what you love. I've built in some practices to ensure I hold on to my purpose, but knowing that I am going back to full-time work is helpful. It makes it easier for me to focus on a slow growth approach, doing things that are in alignment, saying no to things that aren't, building the brand sustainably, just taking breaks. So if you're convinced or just more curious about the side hustle world, I do highly recommend the podcast Side Hustle Pro. It's with Nikaela Matthews Okome. She is also in the HubSpot Podcast Network. I Hope to meet her at some point. She has certainly become such an inspiration to me. It's a very helpful resource, a very realistic resource about how to build a business. And she talks openly and honestly about the struggle, the financial struggle, but that there are ways to do it. So I think it's just a great podcast to listen to if you are interested in starting a side hustle. So the next lesson learned, number three, you'll work just as much as your corporate job or day job and probably more. I knew that entrepreneurs worked a lot. I spoke with a number of friends and guests about their experiences. There's a lot of pressure and it takes a lot of effort to build anything, but it's just one of those things like most things in life that you truly do not understand until you experience it. Yes, friends. I think you have to take breaks and build in well-being practices. There are definitely ways to be a healthy entrepreneur, but there are times similar to any demanding job where you will have to work more than you want to. You'll have to sacrifice. Sterling Smith, the founder of Black Freelancer, who we heard from earlier in this episode, talked about the planting season. He is confident that he will get to the harvest, but he is putting in the work. He is planting and making sure that he's creating a strong foundation with solid roots. And I love this metaphor. It's like growing plants or crops. Well, you know, I don't have any direct experience with planting and farming because y'all know I'm from LA, (laughs) but you get the point. Many seasoned entrepreneurs have built up systems and programs where they can receive a passive income and work less, but that takes time. It takes time to build a lifestyle business. It's going to take a lot of work to realize your dreams as an entrepreneur. So you have to ask yourself a question, do I really want to do this? And if you do, there are lots of ways to approach it. I think our former guest earlier this year, entrepreneur and creator Scott D. Clary, his approach to entrepreneurship is a really insightful one.
2: Say you have two career options, right? I know you're mm-hmm. a lawyer and you're still happy. I'm going to say you're still happy being a lawyer. And, and this is not what you're telling me. So if, you're, if your employer listens, like she's good, but like yeah. say you aren't yes. happy being a lawyer, right? You aren't happy being a lawyer and you're starting a podcast, but you're like, I don't want to trade like 14 hours of lawyering for 14 hours of podcasting. Makes sense. But there's like yeah. levels to this shit. So, you got to be like 14 hours a day lawyering. Okay, fine. So, let's find mm-hmm. a way to start because I love telling stories and I love podcasting. But what if eventually 20 years from now, I could podcast for five hours a week and make the same amount of money and have a, a happy lifestyle. You're not replacing one for the other. You're dipping your tone to entrepreneurship. You're starting to learn what replacing. So, I would say like first iteration of entrepreneurship is 14 hours a day lawyer Eventually, it'll be 14 hours a day podcast, but then 14 hours a day podcast, and then you find ways to optimize that, then you find ways to morph that into a lifestyle business. But you usually will have a better chance and an opportunity to morph something you own into a lifestyle business by hiring out a team, scaling systems, processes, charging more, adding more products on than you could with billable hours. Now, there is, because you're a lawyer, there is arguably no ceiling on how much you can charge someone for an hour, but for most people, that's not the case. So, if I I am a profession where there is a significant limit on my income and the hours that I have to put in to make that income, I would have more chance of creating something that could be in alignment with not only my professional aspirations, but ultimately allow me to work less for same and or more money. And that's the path that I want people to go on. That's really like, if you're a graphic designer in a company, okay, graphic designer in a company, you make whatever, I don't know, 100, probably less in some cities, but say 100,000, just nice, easy whole number, 100,000 graphic designer in a company, you start freelancing Upwork, Fiverr, TopTal, graphic designer, freelance. When you make double as much as a freelancer, which you totally can because you're charging just like regular rate and you don't have any, you're charging like full rates for all of your work and you develop a nice book of business and you have like a great funnel and good deal flow and whatnot. Okay. So now you're making double as much as a graphic designer freelance than you were working in a company, which is very, very doable, but you're still doing the same work that you love. But now you're working like probably maybe 10, 25% more. You're like, okay, this kind of sucks. I'm I'm making twice as much, but I'm working 25% more. This is shit. But then you're like, okay, so how do now I'm a, a solo graphic designer? I'm making all this money on all the different marketplaces. But then mm. you start to start to hire out and you start to build an organization around you. And then you start to build a lifestyle business. And then you and then down the line you hire an operator and then all of a sudden you literally don't work at all or maybe you sell a piece of maybe you sell a piece of it to a private equity firm that's going to inject some more capital and hire an operator and you can just negotiate some sort of settlement where you have a percentage and you have a rev share but ultimately you aren't working at all at all and if you want to work you can if you don't want to work you don't have to but you're still making just as much money that's what i mean about this whole migrate from being stuck in a system to being an entrepreneur to eventually crafting the life that you want that's in alignment and then you choose. If you wanna work, no one's gonna say no, you own a piece of the business. If you don't wanna work, fine. But you'll never yeah. get that in a company. So that's what you that's yeah. the journey you have to go on.
0: So I thought this was great. Scott really stretched my thinking here. Now, I don't think either of us recommend a 14-hour (laughs) workday. He was using it as an example, but he admitted that he works a lot now so that he can work less later. Although you'll have to work a lot while you're building your business, it gives you an opportunity to learn so much, which brings me to my next point. Number five, you expand your skills and knowledge. Before I started this journey, I was doing specialized work in my legal practice. It was interesting work, but building a business actually gave me a better understanding of how a business works and what some of my clients experience. I immediately got a crash course in marketing, finance, social media, graphic design, and intellectual property law. Now, this is all from a business perspective, and from a content perspective, I delved into research on storytelling, careers, self-development, and organizational psychology, my passions. And I just feel more well-rounded. I look at problems with various perspectives from a marketing perspective, a legal lens, a people-focused lens, a psychology lens, and I have to admit that this year has just been one of the best educational experiences in my life. I appreciate all of my formal education. It certainly laid an excellent foundation, but actual hands-on experience is the best teacher. In addition, I took a number of online courses. I experienced pain points and figured out ways to move forward. And I had coffee chats with entrepreneurs. I hustled until I burned out. You guys know, because I took a little bit of a break. (laughs) I'm still figuring out how to practice what I preach, but I did learn a ton. And speaking of burning out, that brings me to my final lesson learned, number six, give yourself grace. Now, this is one we've heard from many guests. It applies to entrepreneurs and those outside of this sphere. It applies to everyone. Give yourself grace. We're all doing so much and balancing so many things. And when you're ambitious, you can be hard on yourself and feel dissatisfied with your progress. When I started the podcast, I had so many things thrown my way. When I was invited to join the HubSpot Creators program, I literally had to Google creator. Yes. (laughs) I knew there were creators on social media, but I didn't know much about them. Everyone in the program was either a creator or at least had a podcast. I just released a teaser. I recorded some episodes, but I didn't know what I was doing, and it felt like a new language. Impressions, CPMs, cross promotionals, dynamic ads. I was meeting with different people about my brand, like, what is a brand? <laughs> and they would ask me, What's your brand? Who's your target audience? How are you building community? Do you have an email list? The answer to that last one is sadly still no, but we're getting there. In fact, if you want to join my newsletter, that I will start soon. I'm going to say it now, put it out there, you know, accountability project right now. Feel free to sign up in the Google Doc in the show notes. I'm going to get that started soon. But basically, I just felt like a fish out of water. And I was pretty hard on myself. I thought, how could I not have all of these systems in place before starting this venture? I'm an attorney. The truth is, I couldn't have known. I started a passion project that quickly turned into a business. I made mistakes. I tested certain things. I failed. I learned. I succeeded. I finally got an LLC. I built out a good system with my editing team. I figured out where I could cut costs and started wearing lots of different hats that I do plan to outsource when I go back to work, but I figured it out. I made it work and it was really hard. There were times where I could have been kinder to myself. I learned to give myself grace through this journey. And one thing that really helped me do this was Storytelling. It was listening to podcasts about entrepreneurial journeys. It was connecting with the guests about the pain points that they're experiencing. It made me feel seen and less alone as I navigated my journey. And then I thought, what a full circle moment. This is what I aim to do with No Straight Path. Another sign that I'm doing the work I'm called to do. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, You're not alone.